To the Self-Esteem Party Podcast, I'm your host, Alana Johnson, and with me, as always, is producer-slash-husband-slash-roommate, Norm Sousa. Norm, how you doing on this gloomy afternoon? Hi, first of all, how are you? Um, you know I- what, Norm? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Great. Uh, <laughs> well, I had to take a nap. I was so tired this today. You've been fatigued. You've been working nonstop God, yeah, this on the new place. New place is really, it's really good to me. It's really difficult. I love it. I'm reaping all the benefits. Yeah, but it's like every day, it's like some delivery or working on something or putting this together, Mm -hmm. ordering this, hemorrhaging tons of money, just spending so much money. yeah. I love it. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and just flush money down the toilet for fun. No, don't do that. (laughs) I'm just trying to have fun, Norm. I don't want you to do that, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. Yep. It's been a lot of work. I'm thrilled. Uh, something to do. Great. This is exactly what we wanted. We wanted a fun project, and we got it. <laughs> there you go. Cut to me literally sw- every using every curse word, putting up a fucking curtain. Oh rod. my god, you were losing it, but ten shy minutes ago. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I, putting up a curtain rod is the bane of my existence. Oh my god, I was like, he's gone too far. Yeah. I almost said something. Really. Well, I'm saying something now. I'm putting my foot down in retrospect. Well, and also, like, you know, you wanted the locks changed on this gate. We have a front gate. There's, like, a fence, and there's, like, a gate there. But it doesn't wasn't locking. So I bought a whole new, like, handle and lock thing. But it's, like, it's not the handle. It's not the lock. It's, like, the inside of the gate metal thing. Whoever was here before just cut a huge hole. Yeah. It's, it's like, an God. absolute nightmare. Here's what I'm going to say, though. Nice mirror. I think I know... <laughs> What's going on? Okay. We're both very stressed out about the dog today. Well, and the dog's at the vet. I think a lot vet. of rage is coming out. Yeah, the dog's at the vet. I I'm feel feeling so that bad for I'm, the dog. I know. She's at the vet getting her stupid 18th shaking, shaking shaking in so the much. car. And she just did not want... She was terrified. It was She so knew something bad. was up. I feel bad. Yeah. And I think you feel bad too. And I both feel of terrible us are, about I, the dog. are really taking out some frustrations. Yeah. It was tough. I mean, she, she she was so scared in the car. I hate taking her to the vet. It's for this stupid knee. Hopefully this will be it. Could you imagine if, like, it, this was it and everything just worked out? Yeah, but then, like, the vet, freaking Dr. Lisa is going to call and be like, <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. She needs a golden crown implanted into her brain. So that, you know what I mean? It's like some fucking weird thing. This lady, you guys, cannot get enough of us. Yeah. Always ringing me up on the phone to see what's popping off and with who. She's just calling and is like, hey, can I cut open your dog for $2,000 oh every other God, week? Oh, my God, always. Fuck, Desperate Lisa. to cut her back open. Just leave my dog alone. Can't wait to get back in. Her and Dr. Larson, both of them, getting their grubby little hands all over me. <laughs> love I'm that we're dragging Dr. Larson, Dr. I'm Lisa. I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, fuck you. Yeah, fuck Stop hurting you. my dog. <laughs> Oscars were last night. What? A, what that, everyone's talking about it. Not us. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Can I just say, let me just wrap it up yeah, let's in hear one it. sentence here. Sure. Can everybody chill out? <laughs> okay. That's yeah. my theme of the night. Can everybody just chill out? I thought the biggest outrage was Jessica Chastain winning. Uh, I didn't see the movie. I don't plan on it now. That's yeah. a fact. There were so many movies this year I turned off. 
Yeah. I'm snubbing like everybody in advance this year. <laughs> a pre-snub. <laughs> You've all been pre-snubbed. Hate to break it to you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's it. Yeah, it was raining like crazy today. And, uh, what a day. What a life. Yeah. What a wife. <laughs> you Wait tell the you world, just, Norm. You just, you just followed your own path <laughs> to that. I think I'm a great wife. Thanks for asking. Who's the guest today? We've got a great guest. <laughs> As it on. turns out, moving on, we've got a great guest. Yeah. Um, we didn't know each other, but I did a podcast of his mm. that he's doing with Jacob Wysocki. Oh, Jacob's great. Guest. We love Jacob. And Jacob loves our guest. Mm-hmm. So I thought, this guy was a blast to talk to. I'm going to bring him on. And cool. you know what? I caught him at an interesting moment. It was mm. a real heart to heart, a real open up, a couple of laughs along the way. I think, I think it was a great meeting. I think you'll find that most people, uh, if you really start talking to them, you'll find almost anybody in an interesting moment. Well, I'll be damned. Just me scratching my chin. <laughs> That's the microphone. I say we get to it. Quit scratching your way through the cast, yeah, Norm. Yeah, let's do it. We have to go pick up the dog. For <sighs> Bless that mess. Dr. Lisa's mansion, which <laughs> I'm paying the mortgage on. <laughs> Everybody, please help me welcome Assam Williams right after this break. It's a self-esteem party. It's a self-esteem party. Asan, welcome to the Self-Esteem Party Podcast. Did I say your name right? Asan, yeah, you said it right. Okay, good. Just checking. Yeah. Um, because if I said it wrong, there's no time to correct it. Obviously, the podcast has begun. Exactly. No, I, if you had gotten it wrong, I would have just politely left the left the recording and... Let you handle the show on your own. You know what? When we were doing... So I just did your podcast, you did? as we know, a couple days ago. That'll be coming out a little later, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. But you guys started saying my name right, and then it like flipped halfway through. Do you guys say it wrong? What did we flip to? But, I don't even remember. Y- well, it's Alana. Right, oh, like banana okay. is like the regular way, and then uh-huh. you guys, but you were saying it right, and then you guys started saying Alana, including Jacob, because I think you were oh. saying it, so then it made like him say it, or yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. You you don't even realize, yeah. but um, I really enjoyed the transition. Now I have a reason <laughs> to be mad at you guys. You know, kind of something I'm always looking for in friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something to hold over their heads throughout the entire friendship. <laughs> Just something you get pretty upset about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Asan, we like to start this podcast off with a self-esteem party check-in. So okay. on a scale of 1 to 10, how have you been feeling about yourself lately, self-love, all that kind of stuff? How you been feeling? You know, Alana, I'm going to say um, you've caught me at a weird point in life. I'm going to say you caught me at like a 2. Wow. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Okay, I appreciate you <clears throat> phrasing that as a weird time in my life as yeah. opposed to my whole life because I'm always sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and listen, for those listening, if you are, it's okay, but That's you got to okay remember too. we've had some sixes and sevens in there. We just might not remember them, but they're in there. Have you ever had a 10? You know what? Asan twice. I have. On this podcast, I've had two separate guests. And you know what's really interesting? Uh So I I do a a Patreon self-esteem after party where I have on former guests. You'll be able to come. And we (laughs) talk about what's been happening since they were last on. Mm -hmm. Right? 
And one of my friends that was a 10 and is perpetually a 10 mm. clocked in at like a seven, which oh. is low for her. Wow. Really low. Okay. Yes. Uh, and that is pandemic related. So I feel like yeah. a lot of the people I had on before the pandemic oh. were a certain number. And then now as we've grown, changed, suffered, whatever, uh -huh. I'm finding numbers are going down. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it kind of makes sense because uh -huh. I think we've all been under so much stress. And when you're under a lot right. of stress, you realize either how good or bad you are at dealing with it. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, have you had any episodes that are where you're back on the upswing from people who may have been at a lower number like during the pandemic? Or? Yep. You know what? Cool. I absolutely have. I will say the last couple months has definitely been a lot better, obviously, than, you know, 2020 like I stopped doing the podcast for three months when the pandemic first hit oh, wow. yeah. because it's about self-esteem and I had zero and I was like I just can't I can't yeah you know like can, I it was confusing life with how I felt about myself and I was like associating the two mm -hmm. so it's gonna be a zero what are you gonna do yeah, yeah it's gonna be a zero <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk though. Let's talk Sorry, about yeah. this too. And uh -huh. we don't have to get into details if you don't want to, but can I ask like what you said? I kind of caught you at a weird time. Yeah. Um, what's weird about this time in your life? Like what is going on? Yeah. So, um, uh, so I guess a little bit about me just to give you some background. Um, I've been a DJ now for, uh, like five, six years. I started like five or six years ago. I've been a drummer like my whole life since I was like a little young child. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I play the drums and I've done that professionally for years now as well. Um, but over the past like five, six years, like right before I started DJing, um, like five or six years ago, uh, drumming was cool and uh, I was making some money doing that, but not really enough to survive. Uh, I was mm -hmm. like, a couple years out of film school and I uh, was playing the drums to try to feed myself and it wasn't enough. So I went in and, and got a job, which is totally cool. I went and worked at a bank for like two years. Uh, that mm -hmm. was cool. And um, the bank job, uh, uh, is this a video too, or is just audio? Just audio, but okay. I can describe the visual. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, for, yeah. For those just listening, uh, uh, which is all of you, um, <laughs> I, you know, I have a, I have a pierced nose and I have tattoos and, and, uh, I often, uh, wear shorts very like almost every day, uh, which is not very, um, conducive to like bank attire. Um, <laughs> and, and there were many, <laughs> there were many, uh, aspects of banking that like were not for me, but like having to wear a suit every day was, was I think a culmination and a symbol of like all of the things I did not want to do working at the bank. And, and like, I've just mm -hmm. really felt like not in my own skin. And so um, I quit the bank without any prospects uh, besides being able to play the drums, you know, for gigs here and there. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I discovered DJing um, as like a hobby. I always thought I had a really good sense of like playlisting and like whenever I was in the car and had the aux cable, like it was, you know, everybody was like had a good vibe with it and stuff like that i was like you know what let me try djing let me just see what that's like and so uh luckily when i got that urge to do that djing um had become very accessible where like i could take 200 dollars and go to a guitar center and buy like a a digital dj controller and like 
you you know DJ with the music that was in my computer. I didn't have to go buy a bunch of records or CDs and anything. So I was like, I'll just try this as a hobby. And I started. I remember I started posting on Instagram that like, hey, uh, uh, I didn't say this, but I was posting pictures of me DJing. And uh, and by DJing, I mean like literally set up like in my living room, just like being really bad at DJing. And uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember. Hey guys, uh, check out my sweet setup. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I'm totally killing it right now. Um, a friend of mine asked me. Uh, she was like an aspiring wedding planner. She had just like got into wedding planning, and she was like, "Hey, I see that you DJ online. Have you ever done a wedding?" Uh, and I. I <laughs> And I was like, what I should have said was, one, uh, I don't DJ. Uh, it just looks that way online. And two, I've never done a wedding. But what I told her instead was, sure, I do tons of weddings. <laughs> I knew it. I, I, Asan, I've, I've only met you the one time in the podcast, and I already knew that you had said yes mm-hmm. for sure. You You're like, did. I, clocked, I clocked you as a liar from the first time I met you. No. Um. <laughs> I met you and I thought, this guy doesn't even know who I am. Who can trust him? <laughs> He's going back and forth on how to say my name. Um, uh, <laughs> I uh, So, yeah, I was like, yeah, totally. We'll do a wedding. Uh, just let me know. Luckily, it was a pretty low, like, low stakes wedding. It was in like a backyard in Pasadena. And, um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so I started DJing there. I, I was... Um, I was bad in the sense that, like, I didn't know. I'd never done a wedding, so I didn't know all the things you had to prepare p- prepare for. So I felt, like, very, very unprepared for the wedding. Um, I even – so much so that I think I played the first 30 seconds of, like, the wrong song for their first dance as a couple, which was <gasps> mortifying. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? And especially, like – because you know what these couples are like. They, like – go yeah. to dance classes mm-hmm. like it's a thing to get mm-hmm. the dance down for the song yeah. the first song and it was just <laughs> and, it, and, 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 the, and the crazy thing is the couple was so sweet about it because they um it wasn't like i played yin yang twins instead of their actual song it was like a similar which is which was a request from me which, and my husband yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly which uh, uh i always play that as the first dance song now going forward um <laughs> yeah but um I, you know, I played a similar song, but it wasn't like the, the the particular version or something that they requested. And they were just so sweet about it. They didn't like make a scene about it. They just like, uh, I think they told the wedding planner as like they were kind of laughing about it. And then like the wedding planner came and told me, but I was still mortified. But that having been said, since then, um, I have become a very good DJ, uh, I think. And I have uh, cultivated a, a, you know, a pretty successful business doing that. Um, in particular with like a lot of like corporate clients and stuff like that. So I do a lot of like corporate conferences and events and things like that, which pay a lot of money and yeah, uh, dude. and is a lot of fun. I get to travel a bit for that and it's, it's really cool. So I, for the last five years, that's kind of been my sort of own personal sort of success story. Right. And so, I've yeah, been- which to, to not, not to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, everything in the last five years on the up and up like it's sure. going we're getting better and for better sure. and better. we're definitely it's- climbing from the bank we were at zero and then we're climbing we're at, we're at like a two at the first wedding after the first wedding goes off you know without a noticeable hitch we're at like a four um I'm okay starting to, i'm starting to book all these gigs uh uh doing parties and weddings we're climbing like a five six by the time like two years rolls around uh, two years ago from now rolls around i might get a 10 right Mm-hmm. And and um, two and a half, three years ago, we'll call it. Um, I started uh, on the uh, like on the career path towards comedy. I um, 
I had gone to film school and thought I wanted to be a director. Um, found out that that was not it. Um, and I had spent a couple years working on as like a PA and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then about two or three years ago, uh, I had like I started going to UCB and watching shows and stuff like that. And I started taking classes about three years ago and went through all that. Uh, I was on a house team for a little while, right up until the pandemic. Uh, uh, I was also still on the house team when the pandemic went down. And uh, that was unfortunate. But I had maintained my self-esteem through that because I felt like I had made some progress, like was doing cool shit. I was meeting cool people. Things were things were going well. And in that, I found out in that like span of time, I found out that me and Carl Tart, who you've had on the show yet or no? Yes, okay. I have. Yeah. To my delight. <laughs> to, to everyone's <laughs> delight, I'm sure. Um, I found out that Kyle, uh, Kyle, that Carl and I are related. Um, we're kind of like second cousins. We just call each other cousins uh, colloquially. But um, yeah, we have family and we found this out um, about two years into me being into like the sort of the L.A. improv comedy scene. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was a big deal for me because he was someone that I looked up to at the time. He was like on Herald Night at that point and was like starting to get on TV and that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. Um, so that having been said, like me, like uh, he and I formed like a cool friendship outside of just being related and stuff like that. And we we uh, collaborated together on stuff uh, comedically. We have a podcast together now. Um, stuff's been going really cool. I'm feeling really good about that point in my life. We're soaring at a 10. I'm DJing. I'm traveling. I'm doing this podcast with Carl. The, um, I, you know, I met the flagrant one guys, Shays and, uh, Shays, Hayes and Sean. Everything's going great. Like I'm making all these friends. Everything's going good. I'm just, I'm finally feeling fulfilled in like the shit I'm like, you know, going after and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so all that's going great. I get, so I get a call from a friend of mine. This was like a week ago. So I'm fresh, I'm fresh down to the two. So uh, I get okay. a call, I get a call from a friend of mine who's like a really accomplished musician and like a uh, piano player, keyboard player. And he plays for a, uh, an artist. I don't want to say the artist's name cause there's still a lot going on with this, but uh, it's me it's and I'm you. in a scandal. It's you. You're in a scandal. <laughs> uh, I agreed to do the show only so that I could publicly shame you for the way. No, um, I, uh, I get a call from my friend, uh, who's like, Hey, um, the drummer on this gig is leaving town, and uh, I want you to audition for this on drums. Now, mind you, Atlanta, for the past five years, I've been a DJ and a comedian. Uh, I've been playing drums, like in sort of like, you know, like little bands with friends and stuff like that, uh, which are cool mm-hmm. bands and stuff like that, but not like uh, on a professional level by any means um, for the past few years. And but drumming has always been a thing I've done my entire life. It's been the thing I've been most comfortable with um, throughout my entire adult life. But when he asked me to do this audition, I took the the initial request for the audition like on the chin. I was like, sure, man. Yeah, definitely. I will totally audition for this. And he was like, hey, oh, and by the way, the drummer on the gig also sings a bunch. So you would have to do that, too, which I can sing. Um, and, but it was another one of those situations. He's like, you can sing and play the drums at the same time. Right. And I'm like. Yeah, of course course I can, you know, and um, I had never tried to do that before, but I was like, sure, I'll I'll give it a shot. And um, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. And because of the way things are set up now with COVID and stuff like that, it had to be like a self-tape audition type thing. So I had to like scramble and get like my drums together in a situation that looked cool and like record myself and all that. And and I think 
I really started to stress out during the lo- the logistical process of setting up the audition. Um, but I think that that was a manifestation of like <laughs> my own like insecurity about trying this new thing. Um, and it would put me in a weird spot because it, it was a it was technically a new thing, singing and playing at the same time. It's also the highest level of music that I've had the opportunity to audition for. But on top of that, I'm now suddenly put in a position where I'm questioning my ability to do something that I've done my entire life. And it oh, like God. it wrecked me, Atlanta. Like I was I like had a panic attack uh, one night, like a couple nights ago and like cried it out like with my friend the musician on the phone and it was just it was yeah it was a lot so I'm, I'm reeling from that um I will say that I completed the audition I haven't heard back yet because I sent the tape off like two days ago but I was able to like do the audition and I felt good about what I sent out and like I feel great that I accomplished it so like that's why I'm not saying it's a zero right now because mm-hmm. I feel I do feel good about getting that done and sending it off. And I feel like I put my best foot forward, but I'm just kind of like, I say two, because I feel like I'm in a very sort of with, as far as self-esteem is concerned in a very like vulnerable place because I was questioning something I'd done my whole life, you know? Yeah. I don't, first of all, let me just say this too is a hundred percent valid because, <laughs> and I'm going to say this whenever I have to do a self tape yeah. for like, you know, an acting gig or something like that, yeah. I'm literally clocking in at a one because Mm-hmm. You just go, do I even know how to do this? Like all of a sudden, for some reason, even if like if I was put in a show as with as little prepared as a self tape, right? Like because yeah. you're scrambling, you're trying to get organized. Yeah. I could do better in the show than the self tape because when I'm left to my own devices and to think mm-hmm. and do it myself, I've talked myself out of it. Whereas if mm. I'm in the show, like if he just offered you the gig, say, right? Mm-hmm. And was like, hey, I need you to drum and sing, come Friday. Mm -hmm. Just come do it. You wouldn't even think twice. Maybe you'd be nervous leading up, but then you'd get there and you'd be like, okay. And you you would do it. You wouldn't even think about it. But when you're just like trapped in your house, which we've all been already trapped in for so long, (laughs) it's a little different now, but for a long time we were trapped in our homes. Of course, you're going to reel yourself down to a two because you haven't done it in a long time. And then you're telling yourself you don't know how to do it and you have no way to prove to yourself that you can because you make that tape. But who's there to tell you if it's good or not? Right. And, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're totally onto it. Um, I think the audition, the the idea of auditioning, it, 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 that hurdle of the audition it, it is so symbolic, I think, of just like because. Uh, as comedians, uh, I'm sure you've been acting and doing comedy for a long, 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 long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, it, it it is always weird, especially with like improv and, and like stand up and stuff like that. In a lot of ways, comedy, like, you kind of there's a lot of, uh, I will say there's a lot of avenues for self validation in like your skill set like if you're a stand-up you can go do an open mic somewhere like you can you can just go sign up and do an open mic and you know the audience will tell you which jokes they find funny and you can kind of gauge your progress and stuff like that and with music it's the same way like i can sit down at the drums and and i can kind of gauge my progress and stuff like that and when you get into the rhythm i think of finding like self-validation and stuff like that when you come up against something like a barrier that like is like no we your self-validation is no longer required we'll tell you if like you're good enough for this i think is um it can be frightening you know what i mean because yeah. you, you, you've practiced 
you know, finding your self-worth in what you're capable of doing and tracking your progress and doing all that on your own. And it's kind of become like, you know, you've gotten to like a groove, like a flow. And then you come up against this barrier where it's like, no, 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 no. We'll tell you. And I think that that's how it kind of feels uh, a lot of times when you come up against like an audition, you know? I mean, I feel like this is, you know, enter the panic attack. Like right. <laughs> you already said it, this like element of fear. And I've had yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Same as you. I've, I think a lot of people have had them and didn't even realize they were having them. Right. Um, because you're just like, oh, I'm having a heart attack or I'm like, it's just right. different. Or you're just right. like, I can't catch my breath. Right. Uh -huh. Different for everybody. Uh -huh. But I think, too, because we're so detached now a days we haven't had the live shows i guess the theater is coming back but it for a long time it hasn't been there yeah. and like you know it's like you're djing but i'm sure weddings stopped for a chunk of time and oh yeah you know all uh, yeah all your in-person stuff that you had to yeah. do um uh, so uh, it's Atlanta, like, 2020, you're gonna be scared 2020's taxes were very easy for me <laughs> <laughs> you went to h&r blog did it yourself no problem <laughs> Exactly. That's how I know I've had a bad tax year when I go to H&R Block, when I'm like, and write off what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, because no, sorry. I didn't otherwise you have to, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I have my tax appointment today. Actually, I love that you brought this up because I have my tax appointment today. So this morning I was like, you know, getting the W-2s and whatever, yeah, yeah. all that shit yeah, organized. That. And I was like, damn, Alana. <laughs> Wow, you're a miracle worker. <laughs> Look yeah, at you exactly. go. <laughs> and it's it's just a just slap in the face for, like at the end of the year to be like, you thought you did good? I'll tell you otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Um, yeah. So yeah. can I ask about the sure. panic attack itself? Sure. Now, because these are tricky to navigate in the moment. So yes. did this happen and you reached out to the friend that like, or did they already happen to be there or something like, no. and have you experienced it before? Like, how did you actually get through that? Cause these are no joke. Yeah, no, it was, it was no joke for sure. I was, um, I was at home and I was, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend who I live with and I was, I was telling her, I was like, Hey, um, I'm feeling really like I was kind of in a funk all day. Like, mm -hmm. cause I, in my mind, in the narrative of my mind, this audition was going to be easy. I was just going to, like, go set up my drums, play, sing, shoot it, send it out, fine. And when, it, when I found myself, like, not able to do it, I thought, some, I thought it was going to only take a couple hours. And it ended up taking me, like, two days to, like, logistically get everything together. And um, I remember talking to my girlfriend about, like, after the first two days of, like, um, trying to get all the logistical set up with the mics and the camera and all that, I, I was just, like... I can't believe how frustrated like I've been in this process of just setting up for this. And I was kind of explaining that to her. And as I was talking to her about it, I just realized that like my heart started to race and I felt like it was a, it was like, it was like a nervousness that like I have, I hadn't felt before really. Like it was mm -hmm. like, it was almost like what I would imagine it would feel like to like leading up to tell someone like you want a divorce or something like, a decision you know like you 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 have to confront but like you for the life of you don't want to do it but like the 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 nervousness you feel on on this side of it not having a, like approached it yet is so overwhelming that like something has to give 
and that was that that's how it started to feel for me i was like i, I like i'm ramping up and i don't know i've never because i'm not someone who has panic attacks like i've never had that before um i have uh you know uh, i have a lot of other uh, personality issues but not but not <laughs> not anything related hey. specifically to panic <laughs> Uh, yeah, Asan, we don't have time for this spinoff podcast, okay? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, uh, well, I'm here to pitch that, so it's called Asan's Crazy Mind. Uh, it's on Patreon. Um, no, um, yeah, so like, I was like, hey, I just need to probably go outside for a second and get some air. And when I went outside, um, I called, that's when I called my friend. Uh, because I, uh, like, I wasn't able to fully process what I was going through with my girlfriend because... Um, one, like, she is like one of the most supportive people on the planet. And, um, because of that, like, like I felt like I needed someone in that moment who like would keep it all the way real with me and tell me, and, and, and tell me something that I didn't want to hear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that's what I felt like I kind of needed in that moment um, because I think I was kind of indulging this sort of like sense of imposter syndrome or inadequacy. And so I, in a lot of ways, it's weird. I'm just realizing this now. I feel like I was looking for my fears to be validated in that moment. Like I, was, I, I wasn't looking to be supported. I think I was feeling like I want someone to tell me I'm not good enough so I can stop stressing about this. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, that's why I called my friend because I saw him in a lot of ways as like an authority figure in that world because he had achieved a lot musically. And so I called him and I was like, hey, man, like, I really don't feel good about this audition. Like, uh, I just feel like I can't get a good recording out of this. Like, I just feel like they're not going to if I don't get a good enough recording, they're not going to know how talented I am. I just don't feel adequate. Like and I really voiced a lot of like basically everything I was going through to my friend and. And he he reassured me it was crazy, but like uh, before we get into the reassurance, but yeah, it was it like as I was talking to him and really gushing about like the, everything I was feeling, like I just started crying. The waterworks were going, and it was just mm -hmm. it was it was cathartic though. Uh, I I felt like it was good because uh, yeah. Uh, another thing that have I had lost a friend that was close to me like a couple weeks before that, and so I think that was all kind of wrapped up into it as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what Can the panic I... attack looked like. Yeah. First of all, this is amazing. I appreciate the detail of oh, yeah. it. And um, a couple things are standing out to me. Sure. One, that you excused yourself to go get a breath. I think there's two things happening there. The first one, when you are with somebody that doesn't do what you do mm -hmm. and you're talking about it with them, of course they're going to support you because they think you're great and they love you and they respect you, mm -hmm. but they can't give you a job. So to right. me, I'm going, okay, get me the guy that can give me the job right. <laughs> and let him tell me what to do. Right. And that's of no offense to that person you're talking to. Sometimes we just need love and someone to hold our hand, of course. Yeah. But in this situation, it sounded like you needed concrete answers or guidance or what have you. Yeah. And the second thing is I'm so proud of you for stepping away because that's an act of self-care. Mm. And rather than you building resentment to the person you're talking to or saying you don't understand or whatever, mm -hmm. you stepped out mm. instinctively knowing you needed more clarification and you picked up the phone and called your friend. And then it's like, now with this last thing you said of having lost your friend recently, which by the way, I'm very sorry. Um, this has been a recently, the podcast has been a lot about grief. It's been very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you've come to the right place, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but of course that's going to be yeah. wrapped up. Um, and can I ask this 
friend that you had lost, what was their role in your life? Like what's now, what left with them? So uh, it was my friend, uh, it was my friend who was like my, uh, I'd known him since high school and he was also my tattoo artist. Um, he had done almost every tattoo I had. So this was someone I saw regularly, like a really, really close friend. Uh, and, and, and his name was Brad. And Brad was the type of person who like, like the moment you like met him, even if you were a perfect stranger, like he made you feel like he was like your number one fan. Like he was super interested oh, in anything you had to say. Don't you love people like that? Oh, Isn't that just the best feeling? Those, those people are the best. Those the for real, they are the best. Um, yeah, Brad was such a, uh, he was a cool guy. Um, and he, he, man, had some sudden health things and, and, and was gone. Um, and I hadn't really had a chance to process that, process that up until that point. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was, yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure it was the, the catharsis from, you know, having that emotional moment with my friend was, was, was totally wrapped up in, in losing Brad, um, for sure. Yeah. But Asan, if he was your tattoo artist, it means he's associated with your creativity. Because totally. that's self-expression, hence yeah. the problem working at the bank, right. covering up that part of yourself, big right. part of because he's got he's got full sleeves, he's got he's got tattoos everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> for the visual. He's mm -hmm. got them everywhere. everywhere. There's one of me. I don't know how we got that in there so quick. We just met, <laughs> yeah. but it's in there. <laughs> yeah, the art. Yeah, yeah. I just left uh, left just left a shop on the way over here. I got uh, Atlanta. I had to I had to correct the spelling of your name that's on my forehead because well, I that's assumed what it was I'm Alana. Saying. And yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, but I, it's it's just interesting, and maybe I'm making a stretch i don't know but to me i'm just like you're having this creative block mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden all these emotions are coming out mm -hmm. about this like important person in your life that's been in your life for a long time like drumming has been mm -hmm. in your life for a long time and it just feels like there's a lot of parallels here lining mm -hmm. up like no wonder why this panic attack like mm -hmm. kind of breakdown situation happened because you just sound really pent up and on top of that, you've still been working and doing your podcast and everything like that. So yeah. it's like, like I just recorded with you guys, brand new podcast. You're starting a new project. Yeah. In yeah, all yeah, yeah. in all of this grief and everything, in self doubt and everything. So it's mm -hmm. like, you might be feeling like a two. One, let me validate that. Yes, I would also feel like a two. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a very heavy last couple weeks, and particularly a heavy week mm -hmm. leading up for the drumming, for mm -hmm. the audition. But yeah. it's like, at the same time, I also don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Like, I, <laughs> I think you're kind of robbing yourself of, like, the strength yeah. that you've been exhibiting and, like, how much you've, like, been through and how that can be really soul-crushing anyway. So you can feel it too all you want. But to me, I'm like, buddy, you had the odds stacked against you on any regular day. Someone would be clocking in out of five being like, yeah. I got the audition. But it's like, for you, it's like, there's so many more levels to it because what's been going on. Yeah. So... Of course, it came out as stressful rather than an opportunity. It came out as a bit more of a burden, which worked out. You got mm -hmm. the tape done. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that phone call really helped you. Yeah. But Asan, this is like a <laughs> lot. <laughs> yeah. Not to, not to laugh, but it's a lot. No, yeah, totally. No, it, it is a lot. I, I've, I've had some moments of laughing about it, too, um, on the other side of it, just because, like, yeah, it's it, you, you spend your whole life, like, honing a certain skill and, like, the irony of like that is the opportunity that I've run into 
over the past couple of years. That's the one opportunity that like I've, I felt so like uh, helpless uh, in the face of. But it's like the thing I've been doing my whole life. And the irony of it, mm-hmm. I've been kind of laughing at um, last couple of days, which has been nice. Um, Is there like a can I I'm tossing this out. I'm tossing out everything today. Yeah. Is there like a, with the drumming, a fear of success or something like that? Or like a pressure because you've been doing it your whole life? Like, oh, this should come easier? Or like, uh, and let me give an example. I've been playing piano since I was six. I haven't okay. played in a while because I, I don't have access to a piano. I don't have mm-hmm. a piano, but I can still play, of course, and read music and everything. Mm-hmm. But I always had, I, I never pursued it because um, I had a fear of success of the pressure to be so good. It wasn't a fear of failure. I could play, I could play no problem. Mm -hmm. It was that I was like, oh, if I do this and get good, then it's like, I'm gonna have to keep doing it. And that just felt so scary to me. Whereas like with comedy, I'm like, oh, bring it on. Like, that's how I know I'm supposed to do it. Maybe you feel this for DJing where you're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not stressed out about this thing, but drumming is just so much more ingrained in you and you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I think I'm, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'm the type of person who, I really take life in seasons and like I've always been that type of person to where like the the idea of anything being permanent or forever is is very terrifying to me because uh, like I'm someone who I've recognized points in my life where like I've become a different person uh, based on like, you know, some days like sometimes I'll wake up and like not be interested in something anymore. And like I want to live a life to where like I'm free to show up to that honestly. Um, and so when things like seem like they're going to go forever or are permanent, like that is really um, scary to me. I, I played, uh, so in high school, my, my whole identity for the most part was wrapped up into like punk rock and uh, playing football. I was hugely into football um, in high school. I, my dream was to go play college football and then, and then be a professional football player. Um, Looking back on it now, that wasn't really my dream. It just sounded good. Um, but I really did enjoy playing football in high school. And But when I got to college, I played football for a year in college. And I quickly, quickly, quickly realized that I actually did not love playing football. Um, mm-hmm. I love the sport of football. Um, I love watching it. I love being a part of it. Um, I would love to coach one day, like when I retire from whatever I'm doing at you know later in life. Um, but the... I quickly saw when I got to college and there are like grown people playing football who have uh, spouses and children and the amount of traveling you have to do just in college uh, alone. Oh yeah. It's a full-time commitment. And I was like, I looked at myself. I'm like, do I want to do, do I want to commit to doing this one thing on someone else's terms for the rest of my life? Or at least for the, you know, for the next 10 years or so. And I was like, I don't, I don't love it that much. And I wasn't really ready to commit to that. And I think, I think there's a similar thing wrapped up in the drumming because I love playing the drums. I love music. I love playing music. I've never been the type of person who wants to be a touring musician for, you know, the rest of my life. Uh, Oh my God, it sounds exhausting. Right? Right? Imagine Imagine being, you know, on a tour bus, you know, for the rest of your life. Like, no, that was never like my calling. Um, this particular gig that I auditioned for is for an artist that doesn't do a lot of like really extensive touring. They do a lot of spot dates here and there, which is like, which that is totally fine and fun because like I could, uh, you know, it, it, I can still do other things, which I think is cool. 
Um, and, and I think the DJing thing, why that's been so great for me is because I, I'm doing it on my own, own terms and I'm, I'm not gone for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. But I think yeah. there, is a, there is a level of fear associated with the drumming thing, because what if I do get that gig and the artist decides they want to tour for three months? You know what I mean? Like, I think there is that wrapped up into it. And so there, there is that idea of like fear of success, because it's like if, if I'm successful enough to get this audition, that could mean I'm committing to something beyond what maybe I even signed up for. You know what I mean? Well, you're right. You're right back to the football. It's somebody else's terms. And yeah. that and, and yeah. like, uh, Asan, you would love what Mo Welch and I are doing now on uh -huh. our Johnston and Welch. Okay. I, I've been posting about it and stuff. We're, so we're kind of doing what we call a one city tour. So what we do, because she has a kid, uh -huh. right? A toddler. So she can't leave for fucking three months and her wife works. So it's mm -hmm. like, she can't be like, see you later. Like, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll go like once a month, we'll go to a city for a couple of days and do a couple shows and then come back. And let me tell you, it's been a dream for scheduling. It's oh, like I love that. one, like we went to Texas one weekend, mm -hmm. did some show. We just got back from Chicago, super easy to maintain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and very casual. <laughs> and <laughs> if you are with this musician and they do change their mind, yeah, you're a little stuck. Cause you're mm -hmm. like that. And what are they going to say to you? They'll be like, you knew this was, part of being a musician and it's true right. you do know it like you can't right. be like really like yeah. of course you're not stupid <laughs> you know but this djing that you're doing mm -hmm. like first things first if you get the drum gig gotta take it goes without saying obviously gotta take the gig totally, totally. meant meant to be that it came out of nowhere uh -huh. if you get it it's like mm -hmm. that is a sign that's something yeah. in my opinion but Thank God you have this DJing all along the way. Because now you still, this is how I feel about comedy. It's like you still have something that's your thing. Somebody asked me to do a show, I can say yes or no. Right. I can do whatever I want. I, mm -hmm. I don't owe anybody anything unless I'm like on a TV show and then, you know, I have to go whatever the shooting schedule is. And even right. then, you can be like, turns out I don't want to do this. You think they won't replace me in a heartbeat? <laughs> happily yeah. they'll be like get her out of here <laughs> <laughs> and TV, and you know and most tv shows don't run forever so i mean there is a, it's like you know, a couple weeks it's not even they, yeah. they film it they get you out of there they really yeah, don't care yeah. to keep you yeah. yeah but really like a tour though that's mm. they're very taxing and it's right. like for those of you that don't travel a lot or tour a lot it's like living out of a suitcase is so disorienting and then you have to get up and do a show like you're the most well-rested high energy stable <laughs> yeah. person on the planet uh -huh. and i'm like like when i went to chicago i'm like i haven't shit in three days what the fuck you want me to go dance around on stage now are you nuts <laughs> <laughs> But you got to play it cool. You got to act uh -huh. like no problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine having to play the drums having not shit for three days. <laughs> I'm telling you right this. Well, it's it's different for you because the drums involves a lot of core work because you got to have mm -hmm. your, your strong core. So you probably would be more regular. Alana, Me, I don't know I'm if, just sitting around eating pizza. <laughs> Alana, I don't know if you can see, but I have a washboard abs under my car t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see it. I sensed it. Yeah, the, the I was one, like, he's in a black shirt. Ultimately, a giant shadow. I can't see. He's in a yeah. black shirt. The one, but the one, it was, the one bit of exercise I get is playing the drums. So my abs are just are just breathtaking. Well, it's really. I mean, at least the t couple times I've sat at a drum kit, like a friend's or something like that, and like you know, they tried to show me things a couple times, and uh, it really did involve a lot of core. 
It, no, I mean, it, I know it, it really sounds does. stupid, but yeah. your arms are in the air. You're going everywhere. Yeah, the drums The drums is kind of like skiing, which I'm sure has never been said before. But the drums yeah, are like skiing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No one is, and you're trying to act so casual about it. You think I'm going to let this run? I don't think so. I'm editing this out. Elena, let me, let me connect the worlds of drumming and uh, skiing for you. Uh, no, um... <laughs> Like, it is like skiing because, uh, and I don't know if it is actually like skiing, but I remember the first time I tried to go skiing, someone was like, yeah, you're probably going to be sore tomorrow because you're using a lot of muscles that you don't normally focus on using. And I think the drum, like drumming is the exact same way. Like, if I haven't played the drums in a long time and I sit down and play for, like, really intensely, the next morning, like, my thighs will be sore, my calf muscles will be, like, my one right calf muscle will be sore. Like, it's just like a, like my forearms. It's like a lot of weird muscles, but... Yeah. Oh my God. I never had that with piano. Very gentle instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was never like my feet from yeah. the pedals. <laughs> it's like Unlo- you hold it for one second. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're uh, unless you're Elton John, then you're smacking the shit out of the piano. Well, if you're Elton John, you're not rolling with Alana Johnson, and that's the bottom line. And I don't want to get back into why. <laughs> I've covered this enough times. My beef with Elton John. Please. Oh, really? Is this like a recurring thing on the show? You know what it should be. We should get a segment called Beef with Elton John. And each week, every guest has to say what their current beef with Elton John is. Exactly. Yeah, well, that does it for plugs. Uh, We always end our show. Uh, What's your beef with Elton John? As we know, and I love it too, a song of it ending the show. (laughs) This is the final message I want people to take away. This is the takeaway. Mm -hmm. You're right, even after the plugs, because we don't care about your show. We care about Elton John beefs. Okay. Yeah. Do your best to me- do um, your best to remember what we've talked about in plugs and how we feel about Elton John will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And we might put it at the beginning as a blooper as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um okay, so I want to I want to switch gears for a second. First yep. of all, I'm very curious about this drumming thing and I okay. want you to follow up with me about it. It makes me excited because I'm glad you got the tape done. That's what I'm thank excited you. about. That's already the victory. You did the fucking tape. And it, it sounds like it was a really complicated setup. Yeah, it was. Cause I, <laughs> because I didn't have a lot of the necessary things to like do the type of video that they needed. So I, I did a lot of scrambling to try to like get mics together and find a way to record myself singing and playing and all that type of stuff. There was a lot of logistics that went into it too. Yeah, again, mm-hmm. another stress that you're taking on, the physical stress of like technology. Yes. As dumb as that might sound, even in recording this podcast, yep. like... I did a record last week and my mic wasn't on. I had like accidentally hit it and turned mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Norm even had to say to me like, it's okay, relax type thing. Cause I, I was yeah. kicking myself. I was so upset and disappointed and my self-esteem was like at a one. Cause I was like, Elena, you stupid fucking idiot. And I'm it, when, and I'm sure with the tape, like when you yeah. can't figure out the technology and stuff, you're like, I'm dumb. Like yeah. it's the first reaction is I'm dumb. It is. And, and it's, it's even, I'll, 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 I'll see that. I'll see your, I'm dumb and I'll raise you. Uh, I think it, it, what it does for me, it's even a little bit more insidious. I think it reaffirms a a really bad narrative that I hold over myself that like I'm not really a handy person. Like I don't really like the technology and how stuff works uh does not really interest me as a person. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> having to figure out how to logistically record myself and do all that on my own is like my worst nightmare. I'm not interested in that. Like I you know, I'm someone who takes my car to the mechanic for everything. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I would never lift the hood of my own car. Yeah. You know, they say technology is a lot like skiing. You just got to try it. <laughs> you just got to try it. That is what they say. It's crazy. <laughs> that is what they say about skiing. You just got to try it. Got to try it. <laughs> um, the, okay, the gear I wanted to shift to sure. um, is more about the DJing. Mm-hmm. Can I can I ask what is the most satisfying DJing that you do? Like, what makes you feel like you're good at your job? Is it at a wedding when you get everybody on the dance floor? Is it at a club? Like, artistically, because you already talked about doing shows with comedy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we know getting the applause is mm-hmm. the gratification, the instant. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. like, what is it that's fulfilling you as a DJ? Because you know, I don't know much about it other than yeah. I enjoy them. but i don't like what makes you feel good yeah so the best feeling i get when i'm djing is um when i'm djing a for people who are on a dance floor um which is not always the case um surprisingly um I, a lot of times, actually, I'm DJing and people are not on the dance floor. I do a lot of like the, cor- the corporate events. Yeah, yeah. yeah so sometimes, sometimes those will have like, as a part of the event, they'll have a like big dance party at the end of the conference or something, and then those moments will happen there. But um, a lot of times, those are just like, hey, we need uh, cues as people as the keynote speakers are walking on and off stage and that kind of stuff. But like, so my my favorite moments of DJing is when. Um, like I think of DJing in like in terms of storytelling and skiing, um, uh, <laughs> uh, in the sense that you just have you to. You got do it. me. Yeah, you just got to do it. You just have to do it, and you're going to use a lot of muscles you never thought you're going to use. Um, and then also, like I look at it as like telling a story. Like when when I'm doing a dance set, like especially like a wedding or really any kind of dance set, like I like to take. Like, let's just use a wedding because I think it happens at weddings a lot. Um, mm-hmm. At weddings, like I'm trying to tell the story of like. The story I'm telling is we are here to celebrate no matter where we're from. We're focused on the celebration of what's happening here. And the way I tell that is, like, I typically will start with, like, older music, like Motown and stuff like that to, like, get the older people in the room, like, vibe and getting there. You know, I'll start in the 60s and 70s, and then I'll kind of move forward, and then it'll culminate with, like, not necessarily modern stuff. I will play the modern stuff, but most dance sets that I play will usually culminate with like timeless favorites. And some of those are modern and some of those aren't. Um, my favorite moments of DJing is when you get to the timeless favorite moments. And by that time, everybody in their collective sort of age group or cultural group or whatever has had a little bit of like fun in their in their own right. But then when the culmination happens and you hit them with dancing queen or you hit them with love on top by beyonce or you hit them with don't stop believing or you hit them with one of those songs and everyone in the room regardless of any cultural hang-ups because everyone's culture and background and 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 musical taste and stuff like that if i've done my job the way i like to do it has been touched on so everyone feels Mm -hmm. validated and so by the time we come together and we're singing whatever for that group happens to be the song that is the culmination song like, and everyone is just losing it and singing at the top of their lungs. And you're seeing people in their 80s sing, you know, um, uh, Love on Top by Beyonce. But you're, but then, you, or in another situation, you'll see someone in their 20s singing um, Don't Stop Believing. Like, to me, when everybody is, f- like, feels so comfortable and, like, empowered by what I've played to where they're like, I can now, because I've been empowered and acknowledged, I can now give myself to whatever this moment is calling for. To me, that's the greatest feeling in the world. Watching everyone just sing their hearts out is, is just, 
It's it's nuts. It, it, That's every, incredible. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You're you're uniting a room, and even mm-hmm. what you said, like age difference, but cultural, like all these different all things, it, yeah. and like I will say this. Okay, so I'm uh, Arabic or half Arabic. Sorry, my mom's from Damascus. Mm-hmm. So at all of our weddings, just <laughs> just made me think of it. At all of our weddings, at some point, Arabic music mm-hmm. does get snuck in to mm-hmm. the playlist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like my brother had a belly dancer. Like it's a whole thing. That's awesome. So it's always really funny, just like you said, when the different sections of people and everything get uh-huh. up and ages and stuff like that, because it's like, you'll see, <laughs> like, there'll be some disco song on or like, whatever. My aunts and uncles kind of sitting around and then the Arabic music comes on and they are running to that dance floor, <laughs> like, yeah. it's, like freaking out, like you've put on Beyonce, like just right. freaking out. Right. <laughs> or mm-hmm. like Outcast, Hey Yeah, like just a song that everyone's going mental for. Mm-hmm. And it's always, it's an expected part of all the weddings. I always love it because it's also knowing your crowd, yes. right? Yeah. So it's like they, when it, at my brother's wedding and my sister's wedding, they gave the DJ the songs. They were like, here's all the songs. And the DJ just put it in with, say a songs from the early 2000s or so, like just uh-huh. kept put put it all in so that everybody stayed up on the dance yeah. floor like you didn't just do your song and then go right. it right. was like everybody stayed it was ge- it was so good and mm-hmm. it was such good dancing and i think you're right like on the other side of it on my side of it being there and then the dance floor where everybody like where it just explodes is the best feeling it's the difference of what makes a wedding good or not is the DJ. Like yes. it's a lot of pressure on you. And this might sound <laughs> easy or like we're talking about if it might sound silly, it might whatever, but it's like if you have a bad DJ at your wedding and the music was bad, it's the music and the food, right? If these things are bad, people are talking. Yeah. You know, a dress, okay, whatever. We can all, everybody right. has a different taste in dress, but music, good yeah. music's good music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, uh, 100%. I, yeah, I used to have a pretty unhealthy relationship with with DJing weddings um, a couple of years ago because I'd gotten to the point where like I was good at them, I'd, I'd mastered how to DJ a wedding, like I'd figured it out, I'd cracked the code yeah. and I could DJ a wedding really well. And at that point, like I started to resent weddings a little bit because I felt like, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, I, I had begun to resent weddings because I felt like I'd figured out how to do it. Um, and like, it was too easy now and not stimulating one. It was too easy, but two, like the main thing was like weddings. It, 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 that's what it was. I was speaking, I was going to speak to the pressure you talked about. It is a lot of pressure. And for like, for me, um, I was when I was at an unhealthier place with it, like weddings for a DJ, at least for me, I'll just speak for me are really stressful because you are for one night of your life um, are part of someone else's like arguably the most important day of their life up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's so much of the success of that night falls on you as a DJ. And I began to resent weddings because like it it never felt like it can feel like a very thankless job sometimes. Um, And and I don't want I don't want DJ sympathy right now. It's not what I'm looking for. I'm I'm sorry. You saying that like it's a thing? 
I just, guys, thanks for the DJ sympathy. It's just not what I'm looking for right now. But thank you, you've never kindly. Seen the, you've never seen the DJ sympathy card section in the whole Yeah, apparently, aisle? apparently, yeah. I have not. Apparently, I have not. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But that having been said, I, um, it is. It can be a very thankless job, and you, and there's a lot that goes into preparing a DJ set for a wedding. And like, I would go into it, and I'd, you know, there'd be all this pressure, and then everyone leaves and you're left there to just like lug all your heavy shit back to the car and it can get very like sort of like but at the same time you get kind of addicted to like i think or at least i did i'll speak for me <laughs> uh, i got kind of addicted to like the roller coaster nature of it because it's like yeah it's like the wedding's approaching and it's like a week of like ramping up to it and then it's like this big stressful day from start to finish like as soon as i wake up on the day of a wedding it is like I'm stressed for a moment. Well, not so much anymore. But at, when I was in this place, um, an unhealthier place, like it would be very stressful from moment one of waking up, and the, it would the stress would peak basically until I started DJing the dance set, uh, because everything else was still stressful. Because part of a DJ's job at a wedding, for those who don't know, is not just DJing the fun part at the end. A lot of times it's, hey, um, we're gonna have a moment where we're gonna like s recite poetry to each other. Um, but just for the bride and groom over here. So we need uh, a, a, a set of speakers over here that's like a half mile from where you're going to be over here. So we need that first. And then we need uh, speakers for the ceremony. And then we need speakers for the reception, which you'll have to DJ. We need a dinner set. There's a lot of stuff that goes into a wedding, like audiovisual stuff that all falls on the plate of the DJ a lot of times in weddings. So I have to do all that. And then at the end of the wedding, like you're just kind of left in the dark in the venue, like breaking your stuff down. <laughs> but you kind of get addicted to like the adrenaline of it and it kind of got it's like, like after a, it's like after a show a yes. a comedy show yes and you go home you decompress after and you've then gone you're like the, after well, you've gone through the drive-thru and got some food that is going to make you feel miserable you go to in and out you yep. get some food mm -hmm. you come back and then you yep. go what am i doing yeah <laughs> yeah and then you wait. do it again next week and then you do it again next week. So mm -hmm. wait, I am hearing a lot of past tense of when you were in a bad spot and it used to make you feel that way. What changed? Part of it was, uh, is, is just kind of like, I find myself in a more privileged situation now to where I'm making enough money doing other things that aren't weddings to where I can be a little bit more selective of weddings and I pr appreciate them a little bit more when they come around because they are, they are a change of pace. Um, because they're mm -hmm. much more personal and intimate, most of them. Some of them feel big and corporate, but um, most of them are are intimate enough to where like they provide a nice palate cleanser for like like the corporate stuff. Um, yeah. And, so it sounds yeah. like you were able to create a bit of space between yeah. you and this one moneymaker, and that's also like, dude, this is like your bank job. It's yeah. like which by which by the way, good for you. When you're uh -huh. dead broke and you're doing something and you just go get a job because you're like, fuck it, it's the only way I'm gonna be able to keep doing this is like pay the bills this way. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of setting your pride and ego aside. That takes mm -hmm. a lot for and or people, you know, with jobs they don't want to do to provide for a family and you know, stuff like that as well. I really commend people to be able to do that myself included i've you know done it with lots of jobs and stuff my old warehouse days that's another spinoff but uh <laughs> called my old warehouse days <laughs> all my titles are bad all my titles are bad <laughs> um but i but i was gonna say it's like 
much like that bank job and you were able to walk away, it's nice that you, quote unquote, were able to walk away from the pace of weddings that you were doing mm -hmm. and now you can just dip your toe back in and good for you because that says you worked really hard at DJing to be able to do it in other ways to still pay the bills mm -hmm. so that it, a wedding doesn't feel like a burden so much as like, you know, a nice, um, a nice little break or a nice little paycheck mm -hmm. that's like, you're like, oh, you know how to do this. This I can do. Yeah, and, and a lot of the weddings I get now are people that I know. Um, oh, but and that must be the best, though. And that, you must that love is, that. Yeah, that is, that is fun. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, that helps. What, I would have I had you do my wedding. We eloped, but I could have used you there. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, did you elope somewhere quiet. far? You do? Did you elope somewhere far away? <laughs> Vegas, again, could have used you. Um, oh, not yeah, that yeah. far. We didn't know each other then, but yeah. had we had met, I would have assumed you would have come down just no problem at all. 100%. 100%. I would, we would have mic'd Elvis up and we would have, uh, <laughs> we would have had Do a you, great time. Can I tell you something, is on? Uh -huh. Okay, the guy, the guy that married us was an Elvis impersonator, so but awesome. I didn't know there was an Elvis package available at this chapel, so it was just him who looked exactly like Elvis. In, in like street clothes? <laughs> kind of he, he was in clothes. like a he was in like a partial set and the reason but his hair was like elvis because right after he finished oh, us man. he changed into an elvis outfit for the next wedding he also said my name wrong and i'm laughing the whole time because of it the whole ceremony was four minutes no vows and i was laughing so hard because he said my name wrong he was like alona or like something elena like something crazy uh -huh. And you can see me, because there was no cameras allowed. My family took secret photos. You can see my head thrown back while we're saying I do because I'm laughing so hard that he keeps saying my name wrong. So technically, I'm not married. I hope Norm loves <laughs> Alona or whoever the fuck he married. But I'm a free bird. So I heard you have a girlfriend, but should that fall apart? It was not. <laughs> Come DJ for me, please. I got you. I got you. That's very <laughs> You're getting all my sympathy cards. You'll get them all. <laughs> I'm super down for that. That's so funny. I'm just imagining like an off-duty like Vegas Elvis. That's very funny. It was so <laughs> funny. I, I just, I loved everything about it. The whole wedding was ridiculous. Was Again, doing, another podcast. Was he doing the voice? No, but yes, because yeah, yeah. he naturally, ha exactly. It's yeah, like yeah, now yeah. it's just how this guy talks. <laughs> we were the 30th wedding of the day. It's like this guy's not oh, fucking yeah. around. Yeah. And we got married at the same chapel as Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton, so I'm feeling very confident. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That, that one of, <laughs> feeling very confident that one of you will go to prison one day. Almost <laughs> positive. And I feel, again, I feel very confident about this. Um, Asan, we're wrapping up here. A mm -hmm. couple things. One, you started this podcast at what I'm going to call a justified two. Mm. How are you feeling now after having spoken very candidly and openly about everything? It's okay if it's higher or lower. How are you feeling now, though? Because we really, we talked about a lot. Yeah, I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling better. I think, uh, I think I'm feeling like a, uh, I think I'm at a six right now. I think I'll <gasps> Oh my God, that makes me so happy to hear that yeah. it didn't go lower because... You know, with like with grief and, and panic and stuff like that, sometimes even talking about it can trigger it again. I find right. it helps me. It may, it, I'm, I'm with you. It makes me feel better to yeah. like get some stuff off my chest. Um, but it doesn't do that for everybody. And right. I, I just, I, 
Yeah, I, I didn't give a score at the beginning, but I'm I'm with you. Give me a six or a seven because this went so well, and you never know when it's like a stranger right. what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> but you were like right on brand for this podcast, and I only had you on because I liked you. Like in general, when I did your <laughs> podcast, I was like, "Who's?" And I talked to Jacob about you. I was like, "Who's this guy?" He was nice. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking to him about music and everything like that. Uh-huh. And as I said on your podcast, you were so non-judgmental, even though you clearly know a lot about music, but <laughs> you didn't you didn't make me feel dumb or something like that, which oh, I really no, appreciated. Yeah. So I, I this was a total joy. Um, and and I really actually I didn't know a lot about the DJ world and it sounds very um personable. It's very different from what I thought it was. It it can be. I think that I think I've the one of the reasons and I won't take long because I know we're we're wrapping up, but I think one of the reasons I've been able to carve out the career path for myself is because I do take I'm very personable when it comes to DJing and I think the majority of DJs that I personally have come in contact with don't necessarily treat it that way. And I think that's what mm-hmm. caused me to stand out and like why I've been able to get some of the opportunities that I've had, I've had doing it. So, yeah. yeah I mean, it doesn't, and shame on the other ones if that's not the case, but yeah, that's, really, I mean, that's what it, I was here to do. It sounds like you take them. it to heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I do take it to, I do take it to heart. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good lesson for like kind of, anything in life that I'm currently learning is like, you know, if it's something that you say you truly care about doing, then you should do it like you care about it. And if you do, I think people will recognize that no matter what the discipline is that you're doing, you know? That's how I feel about the podcast. I'm not even recording. I thought, I don't care about this. (laughs) What would you do? I just looked at my recorder and then I got really paranoid. What would you do if I had not been recording this whole... And I, like, knew it. It wasn't an accident. I, like, fully came on here not to record. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, guys, anything goes on this podcast. I just might. You don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Asan, where can we find you on social media so we can listen to your podcast, both your podcasts that you're doing, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, find some of the upcoming sets and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, you can follow me uh, at Asan the DJ across all social media. That's at A H S O H in the DJ. Um, my podcasts are um, weekly regular, where you can find that's me talking about like movies and TV and comic books and stuff like that with my friends. Um, you can find that everywhere. You can find uh, my podcast with Carl Tart, um, uh, local funny man Carl Tart. You can find our our podcast called Carl Calls His Cousin. That's a part of the Flagrant Ones Patreon. So you can find that there. And then I have a new podcast coming to the Flagrant Ones uh, Patreon with Jacob Waisaki called Never Heard of Them. It's a music podcast where we talk to friends uh, and comedians and, and all kinds of people about the music that they love, music they haven't had a lot of experience with. And we try to uh, expose them to uh, uh, you know, a good ver- a good song from a genre they're not familiar with and try to convince them to indulge in that genre a little more and you just did that show and you seem to have had a good time yes i had a great time and just so everybody knows um the music that i said i loved was my own the music that i said i wasn't familiar (laughs) with was some songs i didn't remember that i did and then the music (laughs) i was exposed to um was just some older songs of mine (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so i I, in terms of variety i'm not really sure what you guys are gonna do with this podcast Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i had a great time i won't i won't give a spoiler Mm-hmm. I, I will say one thing. House music is involved. That's all I'm going to say. 
Mm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say in what way, but house music <laughs> is involved. It Something is involved. I've never mentioned. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you guys would like to follow the podcast, we are at Self Esteem Party on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at the only Alana Johnston on Instagram and at Alana underscore Johnston on Twitter. And don't forget to check out our Patreon where we do monthly phone calls, all kinds of episodes, a monthly check in with Norm Sousa. And now for our last segment, Asan, what's your beef with Elton John? I'm not a huge fav. I'm not a huge fan of like um, gimmick sunglasses. I didn't like it when he did the stars. I didn't like it when Kanye did the shutters sunglasses. I'm just not. I'm not a huge fan of gimmick sunglasses. So I, I'm going to say not enough shout outs to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, my that's, current beef. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. There's definitely not enough Atlanta Johnson shout outs from uh, Elton John. <laughs> Not only did he get my name right, he got the last name in there, too. Asan, this has been a treat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lena. Believe in yourself. Believe in your body. Rock, rock, rock. It's the self-esteem.